crap takes in football. This is what the Baltimore Sports Report does. I'm TK, joined by Andrew Holly. And at long last, after all of the anticipation, preparation, review, theories, Avengers Endgame is finally here, and it was awesome. <laughs> it was amazing. What a Sunday, or really, what a weekend it has been for both of us with the draft going on. You've had other things. You know, in your personal life going on, and of course, mm-hmm. as you said, Avengers Endgame. Oh my God, mind-blowingly amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they hit everything. They, they tied it up so nicely. I mean, I don't want to put any spoilers in here, but man, what a movie! What a ten, eleven years of of a run that they had over at Marvel. So that was really cool. Um, what was the loudest moment of the theater when you watched? The loudest moment, ooh, that's, I got to think, I got to think at the end, the final battle without giving away anything about it, uh, there mm-hmm. were, there were definitely a few moments where there were certain chants that, that started going off in the audience that were pretty funny, you know, mm-hmm. but overall, you know what, I laughed, I cried, you know, I mean, there were pretty much fantastic moments throughout the whole movie. I mean, it was... Yeah. It was damn near perfect. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to say that. I mean, you think about movies that have wrapped up sagas. And of course, you know, this, these Marvel movies for the most part will go on, but certainly there mm-hmm. is a finality of sorts to some of the, some of the storylines. And, you know, it, it, you think about Return of the Jedi, you know, I mean, there are great moments in Return of the Jedi, but, you know, you've yeah. got Ewoks and you've got some things that, you know, kind of make you go, wait a minute, Leia's the sister and you made out with her in the last movie. And, you yeah, know, there are some, some things, yeah, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you haven't seen Return of, the, Return of the Jedi or Empire Strikes Back. Um, but, you know, that, I mean, even the last Harry Potter movies, you know, they were great. I mean, overall, you know, they were overall fantastic but you know every now and then there's some moments where you're kind of like well i wish they would have done that a little differently or whatever mm-hmm. i i don't i don't see that in that movie i in endgame at all i mean it's it's really i i need to see it a couple more times but mm-hmm. i can't think of much that i would have done differently i mean yeah yeah i mean it was three amazing. hours but it I mean it was worth three hours um yeah you know it, Otherwise, you know, we got Game of Thrones coming up tonight, that huge battle oh. uh, that we're looking forward to at Winterfell. But uh, the underlying, you know, what, kind of what this podcast is about is the Ravens and the NFL draft. And that was kind of the underlying uh, event going on throughout the whole thing. And uh, and I have to say, know, thank God, you know, in, in sort of going full circle and wrapping these two things together. Now, you saw, you saw Endgame opening night of the draft. So you saw it mm-hmm. Thursday night. I yep. didn't see Endgame till Sunday morning. So thank God for the draft because it gave me something to focus on that allowed <laughs> me not to see any spoilers. I mean, I say that without, <laughs> in all seriousness, it, like, it, it totally was able to take me away from being obsessive about, oh, my God, what can I not look at on the internet or what can I just strictly <laughs> kept it to? I need to look at draft stuff and go to Ravens websites or whatever, you know, or watch the Orioles, you know, whatever the case may be. So I didn't see any kind of spoilers. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, seeing it early on, I mean, 
I tried my best not to spoil it for anybody else, but it was definitely a relief uh, not having to worry about that. But uh, maybe let's let's jump over to the draft now. Um, the Ravens had what was it eight selections in the draft. Uh, you know, maybe what what is your overarching view of what was done, and then maybe we'll go into a pick by pick review and analysis and how we see these guys fitting into the 2019 iteration of the Baltimore Ravens. So, what do you think overall? You know, overall, I I, I can't be. I, I'm very satisfied. I mean, there's some years that. You know, I go into drafts and I'm like slightly disappointed because there are guys I kind of fell in love with that we didn't get and everything mm-hmm. else. Other years, I'm almost too excited over what the guys get. I mean, you know, or what the the who the Ravens have drafted. I mean, there definitely have been years I probably trusted in Ozzy a little too much. Um, but that said, this this year's draft. I mean, there's a lot of I think. Pretty much every pick is is a Raven solid. That's a good draft pick, you know. I mean, and usually those are the drafts that turn out really pretty well for the Ravens. I think generally, so I'm mm-hmm. I'm pretty happy. How about you? You know, it felt kind of weird, uh, and and maybe I'll go into it in 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 depth when we talk about each pick. But there were a. a few like initial head scratchers but then you know you think about it a little bit more and it makes a little bit more sense uh so it wasn't it wasn't like the immediate like oh we we hit a home run on this one but you know when you take a step back and at least when I took a step back and saw the full picture of you know the eight guys that we selected and how they might fit in I felt a little bit better about it rather than on like a pick-by-pick basis and I where where my reaction in the past was like oh Mark Andrews in the third round that's an awesome pick Whereas, you know, this time you're like, oh, well, that's an interesting pick. But now, you know, I think we did pretty well. Eric Tecate, his first draft as the general manager. You know, Ozzie Newsom obviously still involved. But, uh, you know, I think Eric Tecate did really well. You know, you, you can see like a very strong overarching theme of uh, adding a lot of speed to the offense. And I think that's very evident. And I think they accomplished that very well. Uh, but it's tough to address every single need that your team has in the draft uh, just because other teams have needs too. And, you know, there's only so many guys that, that you feel comfortable adding to your roster. So I, overall, I think they did pretty well. And, uh, you know, it started with, with a trade back as, as we had kind of predicted early on. Uh, but the trade back didn't result in the guy that either of us expected. Uh, so at 25, the Ravens take the wide receiver Marquise Hollywood Brown from OU what do you think of Brown, and how is he going to fit in? Well, you know, first things first. I think, as, as you mentioned, it wasn't wasn't the guy that we had expected. I think, and not, and this is no knock on Hollywood. I mean, I think this was a very interesting receiver class. I mean, obviously, in the end, the Ravens seemingly had Hollywood Brown as as by far the highest wide receiver on their board. I personally fell in love with, you know, AJ Brown and Nikhil Harry during the during the process just because they have, you know, the the full body receiver and I know we're gonna hate Nikhil Harry for years as he's <laughs> a patriot now. But but with all that said, I mean as you as we texted, you know, a few days before the draft or maybe the day of the draft and we chatted a little bit the day of the draft. You know, hey, if if Marquise Brown or Hollywood Brown, as he would prefer to be called at this point, you know, if he's mm-hmm. our Deshaun Jackson or, God forbid, you know, his cousin Antonio, 
Fantastic. Let's go. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think, you know, I, I think um, I, I initially had some concern because I was thinking about the fact that, okay, you know, we had John Brown last year. He's one of the fastest wide receivers in the league, but he's not, he doesn't have the same lateral quickness as Marquise Brown. He's not the guy you're going to use in the same way in some of the trick plays or crazy formations as he might with with Hollywood Brown. So, I, you know, it, that's a probably a bad comparison against the two, but I do have to say that concerns me some in that we better use him right and we better really scheme for him because we certainly didn't do that for John Brown. You think we would have since he was the only wide receiver that had speed. So anyway, I'm going to stop talking. What do you think about Hollywood? Yeah, it's interesting because there was a quote from from uh, Greg Roman that said, you know, he can kind of do it all, and the only thing that's going to limit him in his impact in the offense is the offensive coaching staff's imagination. And uh, you know, that's kind of comforting to hear that you know they they are so high on this guy, and and maybe some previous offensive coordinators, I would be a little bit concerned about their imagination. Sure, but um, you know, with 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 Greg Roman and and all the coaching staff was able to do last year with Lamar, you know, they, you did see a few more, you know, creative types of play calls. And I think adding the dynamic playmaker to offense, like Hollywood Brown can be, is something we were, we were pining for all of last season is that we don't have that game breaking X player. And that might be Hollywood Brown. I mean, you know, he's the guy that you get the ball in his hands, no matter what way you can, and see what he can do. And he definitely has that ability, you know, granted that he recovers from his foot injury and is the same player that he was beforehand. You know, he becomes a really, really interesting option where, you know, you can give him the ball in the backfield, you can get him bubble screens, and he can take the top off of a defense. And I know that, you know, Lamar Jackson didn't really throw the ball down the field that much last year, but you know, he's made his own improvements and maybe that can also play into Hollywood Brown's impact and, and hitting them down on the sidelines for, for big games and things like that. So I like to pick speed is definitely what he brings. So, uh, I definitely like that. You know, don't, don't like all these slow wide receivers running around. So I definitely like the speed addition there. Let me ask you something. What, what do you think his impact will be, if any, on special teams? Did he return kicks? I don't. I don't think so. I think he was so highly valued on offense that. Uh, yeah, I don't believe that. I, he, I was going to say I haven't seen any highlights of him returning any kicks, so I didn't think he was much of a returner. I wonder if they will experiment with him at all in that respect. Now maybe they'll look at him the same way as Oklahoma did. I mean, maybe maybe the thought is, look, he's small enough. Let's not get him killed running a punt back. Mm-hmm. Um, but. But obviously that is a deficiency for the Ravens, and, and we can talk about this when we get to them, but I also wonder about uh, the running back that we picked yes. later in the draft and, and if he can mm-hmm. be that guy uh, for us as far as a uh, special teams presence. But anyway, enough yes, about it. Sure. We can talk about as we as we move forward. Yeah, yeah, I had the same thought about him, but, but we'll get to him soon. The next pick was down in the third round. We took the defensive end, Jalen Ferguson, out of Louisiana Tech. Uh, he broke Terrell Suggs' all-time sacks uh, record. 
um, you know, the other kind of knocks on him, you know, for a while he was a first-round guy in all these mock drafts, and then all of a sudden he slides. You know, people point at his limited athleticism. There's been multiple reports about him not having a great motor. But the guy's a beast. I mean, he's got so many different um, skills that he brings to the table as a defensive end, not only in the run game, but also rushing the passer, obviously, with that sack record. You know, what do you think about Jalen Ferguson? Is he a day one starter? I wonder about that. I mean, I think I think he very well may. I think you, you also have to look at this pick and, and look at the fact that I think after, is it May 7th? I think we'll see mm-hmm. Vicky Ansa be a member of the Baltimore Ravens. And I think that will that will go a long way to fixing the pass rush, both Ansa and now Ferguson. And that sort of replaces, you know, Ansa in some respects replaces the veteran and Suggs. And then mm-hmm. you would, the hope would be that Ferguson would replace the younger rusher in Zadarius Smith. Um, mm-hmm. along with obviously maybe some development from some of the guys already on the roster. Uh, I definitely think, you know, I it, it was interesting as we went through our mock drafts, I think the, the two of us sort of had different different mindsets. You know, I would I would always pretty much go wide receiver with my first pick almost every time. You were more in the, we got to go edge rusher or offensive mm-hmm. line. And, mm-hmm. and so I think, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, who would drop and all that kind of stuff as we did all of our mocks. Now, Jalen Ferguson was a guy that actually, I think, dropped a few times um, that I recall, you know, into that second, third round, or late second, third rounds where we were picking. Um, So I I think it it was interesting to see that play out. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, I I think he very well may be a, I don't know, day one starter. Certainly by midseason, I think he's going to be, likely a starter, um, but we'll we'll have to see what else the Ravens do. Like I said, I mean, Ziggy Ansah is going to play a big role, I think, in in uh, his playing time, and we'll mm-hmm. see if they uh, maybe get anybody else. I mean, this is, this is the other thing about, and not to stray too far away from the draft, but this is the time of year after the draft where guys are going to get cut. You yep. know, and that yep. second wave of free agency happens, and that's usually where the Ravens make some of their best moves. So any holes that were not that were not filled by the draft, I think very well could be by by the time training camp starts. Yeah, for sure. I think one of the holes that the Ravens need to fill that kind of was assumed uh, early in the early in the off season was Brent Urban, and uh, you know he was actually really effective in the run game as a defensive end. So I think that kind of spot might be where Jalen Ferguson competes for snaps uh, early on, just because of his effectiveness in the run game. Um, the other thing with Jalen Ferguson is his, his like, de- people doubting his motor. And, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't see enough of him or, like, maybe didn't read as much as I should have about him uh, and, and can't really confirm or deny those. But if that is truly an issue, is that a place where the Ravens may miss some of that defensive leadership uh, from the veterans uh, just to kind of, you know, mold him in the right way, I guess. The the other thing that I might point to with a motor is that playing at Louisiana Tech, maybe he was just so much better than everybody that he got bored, and that's when kind of when the, the motor shut off. So you never know how that kind of stuff is going to play out. But, you know, with a guy like him, do you think that, you know, that veteran leadership would, would benefit him, and is that kind of a risk with taking a guy like Jalen Ferguson in the third round? 
I mean, it's certainly always a risk when when you've got <clears throat> players that that have those potential attitude or practice problems. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I was watching some of some of his highlights. He doesn't, to me at least, in what I was watching. I mean, you figure you're watching these YouTube highlight reels. They're like all the best plays ever by this guy. You know, mm-hmm. some of them were, I can't say I was, he exploded off the screen, you know, in a lot of yeah. plays. I mean, I, he looked like a third-round pick, I guess is what I should say. He didn't look like a guy that was totally dominating everybody. You know, is mm-hmm. that motor? Is that maybe he's just still a little raw and needs to continue to improve in that respect? I, I will say I was impressed that he, you know, as you mentioned, he has some good play against the run. I mean, he wasn't just, going after the quarterback. He was, you know, diagnosing the play and, you know, going down the, the blockers until he got to the running back who was, you know, running to the outside. I mean, I was I was fairly impressed by that, you know, that he wasn't just, you know, full bore, I'm running to the backfield every play, whether he gets handed off or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was good to see, I guess, because he, he wasn't necessarily just in my opinion, maybe this is this is wrong, but in my opinion, that's him not necessarily living off of his talent and thinking with his head some yeah. as he's playing. So I like, you know, I like seeing that, but we'll just have to see how that plays out. I mean, like every year with the draft, I mean, once you get past the first round, it's really hard to look at players and go, oh yeah, we're going to get some instant major impact from them. Now, with that said, I think the first four picks in this draft for us. I think could all play a pretty big role in the next season. Yeah. Ferguson included. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he did have some good tape against one of those maroon teams, either Mississippi State or Texas A&M. I forget which one, but he did have some good tape against them uh, that the people pointed at as, you know, why he might be regarded very highly. So I think third round, I think that's pretty good value. I mean, a guy that can come in and compete for snaps right away uh, in the third round is probably, probably a good pick there. So, uh, Jalen Ferguson uh, in the third round, followed up by a trade up uh, that I didn't see coming, to be honest, to grab Miles Boykin, the big, raw wideout from Notre Dame. What do you think about Boykin? I was pretty excited about that. I mean, I, I was surprised that Boykin was the name. I was glad we were making a move for a wide receiver. Um, I think I would have probably even tripled up at wide receiver at certain points. You know, there were guys in the draft like Riley Ridley and Hakeem Butler that dropped that I was kind of surprised by. You know, I guess there were a lot of mm-hmm. questions, a lot more questions about Hakeem Butler's hands, I think, than than uh, than some of the the internet scouting reports were were giving you credit for. But I'll yeah. tell you what, I'm I'm absolutely excited because everything that you know, I don't, I don't want to say this in a it may sound disparaging to Hollywood Brown, and I don't mean it that way, but it's like almost everything that Hollywood Brown isn't, Miles Boykin is. You know, mm-hmm. as far as the big body wide receiver, you know, he can play inside, outside because of his size. He's also blazing fast. You know, he's yeah. a little bit more raw, you know, in the, with his route running and everything else, but he could be pretty exciting. So that's, that's exciting to see. I mean, so now we've got, you know, Mark Andrews, Boykin, Hurst, Marquise Brown, Willie Sneed. I mean, those are some weapons that you can yeah. go after. I mean, yeah. hopefully. And, and you know what? As uh, DeCosta said before the draft, the Ravens need to start taking some swings in some earlier rounds on some wide receivers. 
And I'm glad he backed up that talk with some action because it needed to happen. So that was that was fun, and hopefully this offense is going to be fun to watch on uh, along with it. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of refreshing to to not have every single thing be a smokescreen in in the pre-draft process, and they did kind of invest heavily in the wide receiver position early on. Uh, the thing that kind of scares me about Boykin is that he sounds a lot like Brashad Perriman. Uh, you know, raw, wide out, great physical traits. The thing is, he has really good hands, uh, and he's improving as a yeah. blocker. So. I don't I, – I mean, and he was picked in the third round and not the first. So, I mean, exactly. I Exactly. I was just going to say, mm-hmm. that's the thing. You give me Brashad Perryman all, all, all he wants, you know, although, as you said, with, with hands that are at least way better than Perryman's that were ever advertised. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, but if he turns into Brashad Perryman, like you said, he's a third-round pick, so who cares? Yeah. It's not another first-round awfulness. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and it's the thing, exciting. I mean, he – Right, and he fits in, like you mentioned, with that speed theme that we're going with. I mean, the guy is blazing fast. He's big. I mean, he can block. And, again, third round, I mean, he's going to come in and compete for a roster spot. I bet he would get some reps at wide receiver. So I I like the pick again. I think people were a little bit missed by the trade, you know, giving up a couple sixes uh, to move up just eight spots. But, again, I mean, the sixth-round pick is going to be a lot more speculative than a third-round pick. Um, so I think they, they saw their guy and they went and got him, even though, you know, a guy like Hakeem Butler would have still been on the board. Um, look, yeah, like I said, they, they had their guy and they went and got him. I think that he's, there's a ton to like there. They can kind of try to mold him, uh, now that, you know, he's actually going to get a lot of opportunities early on just because of the relatively wide open wide receiver competition. So I like to pick. You always need a big guy around, and uh, Miles Boykin might be that guy for years to come. Uh, the next pick was the home run guy that we that we mentioned before, running back out of Oklahoma State, Justice Hill. Man, this guy can run too. I mean, adding more speed again, Justice Hill. I mean, is he is he really going to get some get some reps at running back, even with all the additions that we made? I absolutely think so. I actually start, I was wondering a little bit yesterday whether we, we try to turn like Gus Edwards into a fullback or something like that because I think he is going to get some, some reps. I think, um, you know, obviously Mark, Mark Ingram's going to be our quote unquote starter, but our, our, our BBC is in the house, uh, in Baltimore. There's no mm-hmm. question at all. Running back by committee is going to be the way this season is going to go. I think it's going to be whatever, whoever has the hot hand at any given time, and that could easily be this young gentleman we took in the fourth round. I mean, he he is super fast. His highlights are fun to watch. And as I hinted at earlier, what better guy to run back kicks and punts if, he, if, if he's able to do that, if he's able to really receive those, I think he'd be a major impact on special teams. Yeah, so I, I did look up Justice Hill because I got curious about the same thing. Maybe he is the kick and punt return guy. Then um, I didn't see many many comments or many stats about that about him returning kicks. But look, he would be he would be the guy for it. Running back, he has he has, I mean ball security. Uh, you know, he, he hangs on to the ball. He can also offensively. You know, he does have the skill set to be the guy that catches the ball out of the backfield. Offer Lamar, but and you know you start you start piecing together what they've done 
with these first few picks here, offensively at least, now on the field you can get a Lamar Jackson, Hollywood Brown, Miles Boykin, and Justice Hill on the field at the same time. And um, there's not many teams that can match that. Mark Andrews, you know, but, yeah, I mean, it's going to be pretty fun. I mean, all those – all those years we've been watching these other offenses. Now ours isn't going to be that much crazier because Lamar Jackson's a running quarterback. But you know, all those times we've been drooling over fun offenses to watch. I think we're we're going to have that this year. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure that Lamar Jackson is going to be able to throw the ball the way that um, Pat Mahomes can. But you can kind of see them trying to mimic that kind of playmaking ability. You know, you have the speed in the backfield, um, you have the speed outside, and you got the big yeah. tight ends that can go get the ball. You know, it, it's starting to come together, at least on paper, uh, and what we saw last year from some of the pieces that are already here, you know, adding all the speed and adding these playmakers, oh, boy, this could be pretty cool. I mean, Greg, Greg Roman's got a ton of ton of pieces to play with here as he continues to design that playbook. And, um it could be fun, and, and one of the guys that might make it make it a little bit easier on him is the next pick, the left guard from Oklahoma, Ben Powers. Um, you know, he's he's known for his his pass blocking, but reading some of these guys' quotes, he he's kind of nasty, man. He could get after it in the run game too. I bet. Yeah, yeah, I love his quotes about stepping on somebody's throat, and My I love when I, when I just taken somebody's spirit away from them and all that stuff. I mean, that's an offensive lineman. I mean, if ever there would seemingly be a guy for Marshall Yonda to pass the torch to as the leading guard on the Ravens, it would. This guy could be the guy. You know, I love the fact that he's already best friends with Orlando Brown, who was at mm-hmm. his. A draft party yesterday, you know, I mean, everything about the pick, I love. His name is Powers. I mean, that's another mm-hmm. great, great name for an offensive lineman. So I think, I think we're looking at our starting left guard. Um, maybe not right out of training camp, but certainly again by midseason, I think, you know, certainly that James Hurst, Bradley Bozeman, uh, Ben Powers, Matt Skura, you know, four-man fight for the center-left guard position is going to be pretty interesting in training camp. Yeah, I think so. I think he comes in and competes right away. Um, yeah, like you said, I mean, having those four guys, you know, the, the previous three all got a lot of time last year and a lot of competitive reps, which um, which is definitely good. I think that's probably best for Bradley Bozeman, especially because he was playing out of position last year. And uh, if you if you slide him over to his natural center position that he played in college, I mean, all of a sudden, you know, you slide in powers, you have a very young, very very big, strong offensive line. I mean, if if you also consider Ronnie Stanley, Rolando Brown Jr., and of course Marshall Yanda, I mean, those guys can all pass block. They all love run blocking, and uh, you know that's really exciting that. You know, we saw these successful offensive linemen, uh, offensive lines uh, from from Dallas, and and of course last year Indianapolis was very good with the addition of Quentin Nelson. I mean, if if we have a big nasty offensive line, I think that sets the tone for exactly what this offense wants to do. And then you kill him with the speed outside with Brown and and Justice Hill, and 
you know, get into that situation of, you know, what do you, what do you stop on this offense? So that's a very yeah. interesting and exciting, uh, exciting thing for, for this fan base to look forward to and, and Greg Roman to kind of build around. You know, it's one thing that was a takeaway too out of the first four picks. I mean, it's like, or first five picks rather, you know, it, it, it strikes me that, that the Ravens never quite did this for Joe. You know, they never quite had an off, at least it worked. I mean, I shouldn't say, mm-hmm. I guess they tried with a few, with a few draft picks, but you know, it just never seemed like they really took a draft and made offense a true priority, you know, adding speed, mm-hmm. adding weapons, creating an offense that was going to be dynamic in several ways for Joe. Because as we learned, look, if you give Joe a solid offensive line, a dominating run game, and some weapons at receiver, he can take you to the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. so it's cool to see the Ravens at least maybe learning a lesson from that mm-hmm. and saying, okay, we – we, in some respects, didn't maximize our time with Joe by not getting him these weapons, so we're going to do that early with Lamar, let him grow with these guys, and maybe create mm-hmm. an offense that's really going to be uh, a game-changer for the Ravens, not only competitively in the NFL, but just as an organization. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially while all these guys are on their rookie contracts, having weapons like these on their cheap rookie contracts, it's a big deal when you when you pay guys like uh, Earl Thomas on the defensive side. So, I mean, it seems it, it allows you really, to extend Justin Tucker like we just yeah, did. Right, right, and and it allows you to extend guys like Judon and Michael Pierce. Yeah, and you know yeah. all these other big playmakers on the other side of the ball. That uh, you know it, 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 it's you get away from that quarterback with a huge contract, and it, it's a. It's a model that a lot of teams are going with, especially like the Rams and, and other teams where you got the quarterback on the rookie deal and then you go go out and pay everybody else. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it seems to be the trend in the NFL. And, um, yeah, I mean, Ben Powers is kind of just another cog in that wheel, like, you know, rebuilding the offensive line with really effective players. And we've had a lot of success with mid-round offensive linemen, um, so, I mean, Marshall Leonda right next, right across from him, Orlando Brown Jr., uh, one of his best friends, you know, it's, it's starters right there, not just depth guys. So, Ben Powers should be, should have a really good chance of coming in and, uh, and challenging for that spot. Now, the next pick was maybe the most head scratching one to me. Uh, you know, and I know why they did it, but the, the, I don't know, it, it just seemed a little bit, odd to me, and it was Iman Marshall, the big, big corner in USC. I think he's got a ton of upside because of his size and his his length. Um, but it, it just seemed kind of strange in that spot. W- what did you think of uh, the Iman Marshall pick? Well, to be honest with you, I think, I think what happened was somebody the Ravens wanted was picked right before them. And I think they went best player available, and he was the guy. I really think that's the case. Now, I'm I'm actually going back as we're talking about this, and I want to see who was picked right in front of him. But I remember kind of going, huh, that's weird. But then I started thinking about the fact that there was a player taken right before him that I wanted, and I thought Mm -hmm. to myself, huh, 
I wonder if the Ravens also wanted that. So give me a second while I look at him. You know, but I think I think overall, you know, I think like you said, you understand the pick in the end because here's a player who, um, you know, can learn behind some of our DBs for a for a couple years, and you know, next year when we maybe don't have Jimmy Smith, maybe we don't have Carr, you know, he may be a big cog in our DB wheel. Now, okay, here's Riley Ridley was chosen. Yeah right before Marshall, and I was thinking to myself, huh, you know, it, we ended up picking some kind of at least seemingly oddball choice. I wonder if we were going to triple dip and say, okay, Riley Reed fell this far, we need to take him. And then when he was off the board by the Bears a pick beforehand, we just ended up going best player available. Yeah, I mean <laughs> – that's that's a really good point. I mean, maybe maybe they panicked and didn't really know who else to go with. Um, but you know, a guy like Drew. Kreinfeld, I don't necessarily want to refer to it as a panic move, but more as oh, that this maybe doesn't seem quite as to plan because they ended up going back. You know, that's the part of their draft that they said, okay, you know, we need to move away from need and just start going best player available. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, like I said, he does have a ton of upside, and I don't. Like, based on the other guys in the secondary that we have, he probably won't be called on for uh, defensive snaps this year. Maybe in a similar spot as like an Anthony Averett from last year. Um, you know, give him a chance to develop and learn from guys like Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr, and you know, all of a sudden next year you have a you have a slightly experienced corner who's big and can run and. You know, I think it's more of a pick for future considerations when guys like Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr may not be on the team anymore. And you're looking for big corners to play outside. You know, all of a sudden you have this option of going with Averett or Marshall and uh, seeing what they can do. But, you know, everybody well, always says – you can also look at it as, hey, look, Maurice Kennedy, you know, as much as he every year in training camp and, you know, off-season practices has talked up as, oh, look at this guy returning – turning picks for touchdowns and everybody's getting excited, excited about him. And then he inevitably gets hurt in training camp and he's out for half the season and he yeah. ends up only really impacting special teams. So I think you could see this guy take over for that role, you know, hopefully not with, hopefully without the, you know, out half <laughs> right. the season because of injuries portion, but you know, mm-hmm. that certainly the special teams role, um, solid backup. And then maybe he, he finally does develop into that player that, that Kennedy hasn't been able to to get over the hump and become. Right, right. So maybe he's more of a a, a project type of player and a special teams contributor first, and then gets involved in the defense uh, as he yeah. picks up some more experience. Now that's on the also, I mean, shoot, four year starter at USC. I mean, he's got some pedigree, so mm-hmm. it's not like this kid's chump change. So I mean, he certainly has better pedigree than a Kennedy. I forget where Kennedy played, like Western Virginia, Virginia guy. Or something yeah. like that. Was he was he at Virginia? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm obviously forgetting that completely. But anyway, regardless, you know, I think I think uh corner at, at USC is, is probably a bit more impressive than corner at Virginia. No offense to all mm-hmm. our all our uh, fans <laughs> in the but uh yeah. yeah. But uh but anyhow, you know. I think he yeah, might end up being a good player for us. I also read that, you know, some some teams consider him at safety as well, so maybe that kind of 
yeah. versatility is something else that they that they saw some value in. So, I mean, not I, I'm not trying to say that it was a bad pick. It was just you know I didn't see it coming. And it was the first. Know, there were other corners like, out oh, there. Who's this guy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's the the first time where you know the Ravens draft board really started to differ from the the pundits out there, which sometimes right. happens earlier in the draft this year. It, it happened in that pick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So definitely not a bad pick. I think he, he he'll be able to contribute, maybe not immediately, but but somewhere down the line. Uh, the next guy is a guy that I like a lot, and I, I think this is a really good value pick. Is Dalen Mack, the defensive tackle? He is a big boy. He's like six one, almost three forty, uh, and he he specializes in run defense up the middle. But in his most in, in his most recent college year, he got a lot more uh, pass. Uh, pass rush going. He had five and a half sacks last year. So, I mean, look, he, he's a really good value guy. He might be in place, you know, if you can't extend a guy like Michael Pierce or, or if Brandon Williams takes a step back in his production and, and Willie Henry may not be the same player after his injury, all of a sudden you have this young Jalen Mack who you can plug right in and uh, should be able to contribute and, and get some snaps here and there probably this year. I'll tell you what, I like the fact that, that, uh, you know, he's got that, you know, bit of a pass rush in him potentially because who's to say we're not going to put Pierce in the middle, have Brandon Williams on one side, this kid on the other, and just hog the offensive line <laughs> with these yeah. three huge dudes. I mean, think about that. And then, I mean, in some respects, that could help free up, you know, the, for some of these linebackers that may not have the, pass rushing skills that we want or, you know, obviously a young uh, Ferguson or maybe a Ziggy Ansah and just let the, the beef mm-hmm. just, uh, you know, clog up that offensive line and let everybody else hunt. Yeah. So uh, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also a pretty cool name for big guy, Mac. I like it. Yeah. Um, no doubt. And I, I think it's really good value as to where they got him. So probably my favorite day three pick. Is this guy right here, Jalen Mack? Um, just because of, of you know the the other other guys up 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 on that line, and I know we have a lot of depth, but you know having having big talent. Hey, that guys depth up can front. go away pretty darn quickly, man. Depth yeah. is, depth yeah. is such a perception. Give it a weekend training camp, and we could be looking for D linemen. You know? Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. And, and to get this guy where we got him, I think was a great great pick. Uh, and then the last guy, another kind of head scratcher, I guess maybe. Uh, you know, we kind of both raised eyebrows at this one. Was the quarterback from Penn State, Trace McSorley, and uh, you know he's a really good athlete. He's a really good competitor, a very competitive guy. You know, very very gritty quarterback. But uh, did you see this one coming? I I certainly didn't. I, I you know, but that said, you know, you you. Listen to the rationale behind the pick. I mean, I didn't really know much about McSorley. I have to say, I was kind of like, huh, a quarterback, you know, mm-hmm. but he's a guy that can, you know, should the inevitable happen at some point and Lamar Jackson gets hurt, whether it's this year or down the road, we're going to need a quarterback that can run the offense the same way that Lamar can. You can't have a guy like Joe Flacco be Lamar Jackson's back up and then have to change the offense completely should Lamar Jackson ever get hurt. So you've got that young developmental guy who can sit behind 
both Lamar and RG3. And then at the same time, and the Ravens even admitted to this in their press conference, throw that little taste on Hill uh, yeah. uh, wrinkle in there that killed us when we played the Saints at home this year. And um, maybe we can do the same with uh, Mr. McSorley. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think with this pick, and especially with that Taysom Hill kind of um, versatility that you referenced, this might be the first year in a long time where the Ravens carry three quarterbacks. And maybe maybe McSorley's not a pure quarterback, but, you know, it, it is another roster spot that, that he might take up. Uh, I a struggle a little bit with the Taysom Hill comparison and use because if we're going to run the read option and, and do those types of things the way that the Saints used Taysom Hill, I mean, Lamar Jackson is still more dynamic than Trace McSorley. And, you know, it just seems weird to run the same type of play that we would run with Lamar and just put a less dynamic guy in that spot. And, you know, by all accounts, I'm not sure that Taysom Hill is really that much better of a thrower than Lamar is right now. So, I don't know. I'm not sure that I see it. Maybe it's a way to run some read option plays uh, and and just not have it be Lamar that's taking the hits and, and kind of spread those out to Trace McSorley. But either way, again, along with these other offensive players, you're adding speed, you're adding dynamic ability, and that really just was the theme throughout the draft. And, uh, you know, for, for whatever limitations Trace McSorley has as a quarterback, you know, having a guy with that type of leadership skills and, and competitiveness and experience as a starter and just his ability to to run and, and you know, elusiveness and those types of things, Again, late in the draft, why not? I mean, it's it's a it's a good value pick. Absolutely. I mean, insurance policies never hurt. You know, not that I expect McSorley to turn into some sort of a Pro Bowl quarterback, but I, I mean, it certainly, I, especially when we are going to have a, an offense where whether it be Lamar, whether it be RG three, whoever is in in that quarterback at any point to get hammered because we mm-hmm. are going to be playing that style of offense. So we're probably going to need to have three quarterbacks. I think it's smart to develop one behind Lamar. So, you know, I, I mean, it, 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 so far the Ravens seem to be making pretty good decisions in the Eric DaCosta era. Uh, uh, era. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of the other thing that I'm worried about is say Lamar struggles for the first few games and uh, we get some some calls for a backup to come in. Uh, you know, the way the situation was, I don't think anyone was under the impression that RG3 was going to be a big-time improvement over Lamar or, or you know, was going to do things anything any differently. But whenever you draft a quarterback, no matter when you draft him, that's always going to happen in my mind. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. That'll that'll be something for us to keep an eye on. Is is you know if Lamar Jackson has has a tough first couple games, when do those calls for Trace McSorley start? And I mean, I I think those are going to be ridiculous. Wow. Way. I I, I, you I know? that's an interesting. I I hope that doesn't happen. I mean, even if yeah. Lamar has a bad double first game, God, I hope it's not Trace Trace McSorley. People think are going to come in and save the day. Um. 
Yeah, you know, I, you know I, that's going to happen, though. <laughs> I know it is. No, I, I hadn't really thought about it. I'm not questioning the, the point. I mean, I, I think it's it's bound to happen at some point, but let's hope it's maybe a couple years down the road when McSorley has ripped up a couple training camps and then Lamar just finally, his star has started to fall after a couple Pro Bowl years, you know, and, and, and McSorley's star just seems on the rise. Hopefully it's that and not just, utter ridiculousness of people thinking he should start next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess one thing that I just thought of is we had eight draft picks. Do you see any of them as a risk to get cut at this point, you know, with the information that we have? Yeah, I, I think it's at all, po- all very possible. I think the last two picks, Mm-hmm. Um, are, are, are certainly a possibility just because of the depth of the position. You know, um, I don't, I wouldn't see Mac. I'd be surprised if Mac got cut, but we've got a pretty deep defensive line. So, I mean, it depends on what happens in training camp. You know, same with McSorley. I mean, it's, he's an interesting pick, but, you know, it may come down to if he doesn't really impress. In training camp and the, in the other roles outside of the quarterback, is he going to be worth keeping or does he mm-hmm. end up on the practice squad? I think that's, that's the question. Now I think the other guys have a way better shot, mm-hmm. but I would say McSorley and Mac are, are certainly potentially on the bubble. What about you? Yeah, I would hope not Mac. Um, I, I think he would be a great depth piece, um, not just for this year, but for, for years going forward, too. I think McSorley is kind of in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, McSorley might be a tough sell for me. Um, but, you know, like we said, Taysom Hill returns kicks for the Saints. If McSorley's able to come in and do that, I mean, I'm not sure that he's uh, ever done that. Definitely not in college. Uh you know, if he can certainly he might have some special teams roles, so I don't know if they right. think he's going to start returning kicks, but maybe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he can provide value in a way, like you said, other than being a number three quarterback, that certainly gives him a much better shot. Uh, but I think everybody else is probably pretty safe. Um, so, yeah, maybe maybe Mac and McSorley are the ones to keep an eye on, but I think everybody else is pretty good. Um, yeah, and now, now keep in mm-hmm. mind. I mean, I think Mac. That's a long shot that he gets cut. But if yeah. if out of out of the guys we picked, I think he's the only one I'd, aside from McSorley that might have might have issues. Yeah, yeah. I can see them trying to slip a guy like Iman Marshall onto the practice squad, something like that. Um, you know, just to try to open up one of the roster spots um, for for other depth areas. So, let's see here. Yeah, after the draft, you know, there's always the second draft, I guess, and that's the undrafted free agents. And the Ravens have brought in, a, a confirmed a couple guys coming in, and they always seem to find a way to find one guy into the rough. I mean, last year we got Edward. You know, previously we've had guys like, uh, you know, Russell and um, CJ Gore is another guy like that. There's a good run after Jeff Bruce to the Ravens. So, who are some of the big names that you noticed that are coming in, and uh, what kind of impact, or, or who, who do you think might make this roster uh, right off the bat? The guy that I, the guy so far that I'm, I'm most intrigued by is Jalen Smith, 
the wide receiver from Louisville, who uh, mm-hmm. was one of Lamar Jackson's favorite targets when he was in college, uh, but also uh, a workout partner of Lamar Jackson this offseason. So that's, mm-hmm. that's great. I mean, sort of along the lines of, you know, seeing the chemistry already developed between Towers and Zeus Jr., I think it's even even more important to have a, a wide receiver coming into the team that already has that relationship with Lamar Jackson. So I think you've got a guy right there. I mean, you know, players like Jordan Lasley, um, you know, Chris Moore, some of these some of these guys at the end of the bench that were already kind of on the bubble, you know, a player like Jalen Smith, I think, could come in here and, uh, you know, prove some things in training camp. Yeah, but we had the wide receiver pictures wide open and, and it got a little bit more crowded with some draft picks, but and Jalen Smith could slip into that, you know, sixth spot. You know, we, we have guys like Willie Sneed, uh, Christian Moore, and, 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 uh, you know, Hollywood Brown, and then, um, oh, why is this name? Oh, Miles Boykin. Sorry. Uh, we talked about him a few minutes ago. Uh, that seemed to have probably stopped locked up and you brought in Seth Roberts, but, you know, that, that sixth spot maybe is, is something that, uh, Jalen Smith can, tra- uh, challenge for. You know, some of the guys that caught my eye, were a defensive tackle from Miami, Gerald Willis, and a lot of people had him getting picked in like the third or fourth round. Yeah. And I'm not entirely sure why he slipped. I think there was off the field, the character issues, whatever those things might be. He was kicked out of the uh, University of Florida, but then went to Miami and had a terrific season last year. He seems to be a defensive lineman that he will either look like a pro bowler on one snap or he will look like, you know, a high school kid. Uh, on the next snap, and you know he's a, he's even yeah, a reading... snap to snap. I mean, if yeah, he can get a little bit more consistent, there. yeah, no problem. If he can, if he can get a little bit more consistent, then maybe he can challenge. But again, like you said, defensive tackle is a pretty crowded spot, so I mean, yeah, he might have a tough time sticking around. He's going to have to come in and, and come into play. I mean, there's actually an interesting uh, article. I don't know if you subscribe to the Athletic. Um, but, uh, Jeff Zerebrek from The Athletic has a, uh, quick little piece about him and, and mentioning everything that you, you were talking about. You know, he, he did get cut or kicked off the Gator football program for some reason. I guess it was Marty Morningweg's son he got into a fist fight with. I think Marty Morningweg's son accused him of stealing his cleats or something and oh, clocked him in the face and Willis then went after Morning wagon clocked him back, and you know. So let's face it, I'm I'm all for beating up Marty Morning Wagon's kid. I'm okay with that. No, <laughs> just kidding, just just kidding, just kidding. For all you Morning Wagon family members that listen to the show, um, but but uh, you know, so there was some stuff like that. Apparently, there's some some coaches even from Miami uh, from a couple of the coaching staff that have been there that didn't have good things to say about Willis. However, the latest coaching staff at Miami, I guess they've had quite a bit of turmoil there over the last few years. Um, they are actually okay with him. They have nothing but good things to say. He apparently took a hiatus from football for a year Mm -hmm. to get his mind right. And apparently that may have happened because, he came back after that season of, you know, kind of not playing football, and he had his best season. And while he didn't get drafted, he at least has a chance now with uh, with the Ravens. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you like to see him turn things around for himself. 
And, you know, based on how high his ceiling is, you'd think that even if he doesn't stick with the Ravens, that maybe somebody else would take a chance on him. So, I mean, he's a talented guy. You never know which which one's going to show up. But if he, you know, kind of shines on that defensive line, maybe that adds some pressure on a guy like Mac. And, um, you know, you just bring another – Absolutely. You, you bring another talented guy in. Another guy that stood out to me was the big wide out from Texas Tech, Antoine Wesley. Um, you know, comes from that air raid with Cliff Kingsbury. He's a big guy. He's got great hands, big, big uh, catch radius guy. Uh, but not not the greatest top end speed. I think that's something we can work with. I mean, he's he's a little bit too skinny to be a tight end, but you know, there's there's some raw raw talent to work with there. That uh, you know, he might be able to slip into that spot too uh, instead of Jalen Smith that you talked about. Um, other than that, you know, there there are some talented players. There's a guy uh, that caught my eye from Elon, the offensive lineman. His name is CJ Too Good. So he's going to be started day one, right? Absolutely. you you got to hope so. <laughs> we could only hope, um, you know, following in the footsteps of, of all those Elon greats that have played mm-hmm. in the NFL. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that. but by far his name certainly goes into the pantheon of great sports names. That is for sure. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't cut that. Think of the jersey no. sale. You can't you can't cut someone who's too good. I mean, that's right. real. You right. can't. Think of the jersey sales. There's so much to be done there. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be a pro bowler. I know it. I know it. It's going to be awesome. Uh, is there anybody else on the undrafted? Uh, undrafted? No, and not for me. Eye? Anybody else? You may have scoured the list a lot. You know, I, I tend to not really look at it until it's really a final list out there. Um, yeah. Because it does change quite a bit. I mean, there was even someone we apparently signed from some TV show from a mm-hmm. Texas high school football show or something, and but then that ended up not happening, and he ended up going to the Raiders or I. It was something, I, and maybe it wasn't Texas, but some sort of high school football show. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The Last Chance View at the JUCO, where um, okay, where they they did a bunch of. You know, guys that couldn't hang and, and be one for whatever reason. More, more likely, like, not football reasons. And, uh, oh, they come in, dominate a Juco and, and go to another big time school. Uh, his name is Ronald Holly. But, uh, yeah, he, he went to the Raiders. I think the Ravens actually rescinded his offer. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure what happened there, but maybe, maybe they brought in the guy like Gerald Willis and they were like, oh, maybe we don't need another defensive tackle. And, um, the offer. Not sure what happened there, but uh, you know, another guy had got to mention it. My guy Tavon Jacobs from Maryland, who brought in at least one Turk, which is nice to see. You know, had a had a bunch of Ravens, uh, had a bunch of Turks get drafted, which is another great thing to see. Unfortunately, and Darnell Savage too. In the yeah, first round, right? my guy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was kind of surprising. First DB off the board, and um, yeah, really proud of him. Really happy for him. I think the Packers got a really good player, but um, a lot of yeah, Falcon players drafted too, which I'm pretty excited about. You know, being, that, football being a Tiger, I mean, having eight eight Tigers off the board in the draft, I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the first round, I'm lying, I'm lying, I'm lying through my teeth, guys. No, no <laughs> Tigers got drafted, at least to my knowledge. I don't think I, I apologize to any any Falcon Tigers that might have gotten drafted, but I don't think that's <laughs> yeah, no, no, no chance left, no chance left in this draft. 
No, no. Oh, gosh, man. When he got drafted by the Browns, I'll tell you what. That was like, it, it, oh, it sucked. That hurt my heart <laughs> when, like, he got – because, you know, we needed a running back. I mean, it seemed perfect. And then, oh, mm-hmm. God. Heartbreak. awful. But, oh, well. Of course, he was not – he was not the savior we all hoped he might, or we, quote unquote, mm-hmm. not I, you know, yeah. hoped he might be, but oh well. Yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? But, so uh, actually, you know, that, brings up, that brings up a good question. What, since we're talking about the draft, name the player, and maybe you can't think of anybody, but name the player that you thought was going to be absolutely awesome that we drafted that turned out to be complete crap. Oh, yikes. I have a bad one. And, um, Kenneth Doss. I thought he was going to be a beast. You know, handpicked by Flacco. Who? Yeah, Kenneth Doss, who's a wide receiver several years ago. Out of yes. For, he was like oh, all, yeah. all-time, all-time great, great hands. He was leader, yeah. great hands, great route runner. Yeah, return punts. You know, Flacco loved him. And it didn't work out. I didn't, didn't, is he the guy that, that Flacco threw to and said, I want this guy? Yeah, yeah. And we drafted him. Yeah. Flacco loved him. And then they never trusted him. I remember that guy, man. I remember yeah, that guy. Yeah, he was... You know, I I was really excited about that draft. This is a twofer. The draft where we got Sergio Kendall and uh, Mount Cody. I oh, thought that was going to be, like, boy. transformational for our defense. And how, how wrong was yeah. I? I mean, Cody was okay for a couple years, but he was never the... The, the, you know, real dominant force we hoped he might be. I mean, certainly it was good. At least we didn't take him in the first round like people thought we might that year. But then Sergio Kendall, I mean, <laughs> yeah. did he even actually play any regular He did. Snaps? He did. He did. Especially on special teams. I remember him getting close to blocking a few times. Oh. Yeah. God. Yeah, I mean, but, and okay. cause his, his highlights in college are freaking amazing. Oh, my God, he was a, yeah, he was a stud. Oh, wow. Yeah. But to end the episode on a light note, what's maybe one not obvious one that you nailed recently? That I nailed? Huh. Yeah, the, yeah. I mean, like, not not like a Lamar Jackson, because I knew he was going to be a big player, yeah. but, yeah, maybe, maybe. Like a pick that I thought that I thought we would get. And actually, if you look back through our uh, – our tests, a few of the guys we picked, I had Boykin on my list of guys. I had Powers on one of my lists. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of cool for me. Now, not I don't think I got them where we actually picked them. But mm-hmm. they were on my mid-round, mid-round guys, which, you know, for me I feel pretty good about because that's like, you know, I only go so deep in, like, my real knowledge of everything. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. Being, the, being that I'm not really a scout, let's be real, we're, we're YouTube scouts. But... Um, I'm trying to think who I really liked. It would probably have to be some offensive linemen or defensive players, and I'm trying to think who. You know, I can't even think, to be honest with you, off the top of my head, because a lot of the guys that I've really loved in, in recent years have sucked. So when it comes down to it, I like a lot of guys. I must have a terrible eye, because especially for wide receivers, because there have been guys that I have loved. This is straying a little bit away from your question. But guys mm-hmm. like the key Knicks and people like that that I have just yeah. loved and yeah. wanted yeah. us to get that have done nothing in the NFL. I mean, I, there was a wide receiver, I think, from Texas 
wait, he got picked by the Texans, and I'm trying to remember. It was the same year we we uh, chose Perryman, and I wanted him more than any wide receiver. And he ended up dropping like the third round or something. It wasn't Kendall Fuller. It was God. I'm trying to remember who it was. Um, but uh, but anyway, he ended up doing nothing. So obviously, Mm. I have no eye for wide receivers. (laughs) So. If if that if that is any means anything, Nikhil Harry and AJ Brown and Hakeem Butler are gonna suck in the pro. Let me <laughs> tell you that. I love the <laughs> So it's good that I didn't have my eye on on uh on, on Hollywood. Hollywood. I did I did like Boykin, but not as much as the other guys. So hopefully that means that that bodes well for Boykin too, but uh but oh my. Um, yeah, I, yeah, uh, I can't really think of anybody. How about you? Is there anybody that once, you really nailed? So once he got this, so I didn't predict it. I got to say that, but once he was selected, I was immediately on the Matthew Judon train. And uh, you know, he got off to kind of a rocky start with a bunch of personal personal foul uh, penalties early on. I don't know if you remember that, but uh, absolutely. And I was on him. I was I was a big Kenny Jernigan guy. Uh, missed on that a little bit, but he's he's kind of resurrected his career. And um, I think I think everybody knows that listens to this. I've always been a big Andrews guy. Uh, yeah, you know, I'll, hang my, I'll hang my hat on that one. Uh, Mark Andrews, my favorite recent draft pick for the Ravens. Um, now the next thing coming up for the Ravens is going to be this. May seventh deadline that you know we can we can pick up some guys without giving giving up compensatory picks. Uh, you got you mentioned Ziggy Ansa recently. He had a really good uh, visit reportedly uh, to the Ravens, and and we would be interested in bringing him in on like kind of a prove it deal, I would think, um, because he has had some shoulder problems. But when he's healthy, I mean he he can produce for sure and, and add that pass rush, and then guys that get cut. So. There's going to be some changes going forward to the roster uh, for sure. Hopefully some positive changes for the Ravens that we like. But, um, yeah, I mean, so we are going to keep recording, uh, you know, intermittently as we have been, as things happen, or, you know, just checking in. But, uh, yeah, are there any other things that you're keeping your eye on? No, it's mostly going to be, like you said, players that are getting cut. I mean, the second phase of free agency, as we said earlier, is definitely where the Ravens, you know, tend to shine uh, in in free agency. You know, the lack of the compensation for signing guys and and just that, you know, keen eye for veterans who slip through the cracks. I think that uh, still have something left to give in areas of need. I think I think we're going to see guys like like. You know, Ziggy Ansa, maybe someone like a is it Darren Lee from the Jets who might get cut. You know, somebody, yeah. somebody out there who you know maybe we're not thinking of that suddenly you know like that Elvis Elvis Dumerville situation where we suddenly ended up with with him on you know the other side of Suggs. Not that it turned into great things, but you know we could we could end up in another scenario like that. And I think that's where really where we're, we're going to see us focus. I think it's going to be defensively with some veterans um, and then uh, see where things roll. You know, um, I think I'd, I'd like to, excuse me, I'd like to see us potentially address fullback. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's where, you know, I just, it's, it's a damn shame we don't still have use check because I'll, he'd be perfect in this offense with his versatility. 
You know, so finding anyone that could be anywhere close to that kind of a player as far as, you know, maybe not the receiving threat. So like I was saying about turning Gus, Gus Edwards maybe into a fullback. So at least you've got the straightforward running threat from your fullback, mm-hmm. but you know, some kind of a, a, a blocking back that's more of a weapon. What do you think about making Gus Edwards a fullback? Is that silly on my, my end or is that something that maybe could work? That's a interesting suggestion that I haven't really considered. And I, I just I, don't know I off the top of my head if he's even a good blocker. I mean, if he starts to block... Yeah, I, I, I don't know if he is, and I'm not sure. I mean, how much did we use fullbacks when when Lamar took over the offense? I, I would have well, to, that's, I would a have good, to that's a good like, point. Yeah, I would, I would have to see, like, the usage rates. And, you know, I, I think... Gus Edwards running between the tackles is probably his best trait. And, you know, taking him away from those opportunities might not be the best way to uh, optimize his value. But I don't know. I mean, he could be a really good blocker, and I, I would have no idea. Well, see, I look at it this way. I mean, you think about it. We've, we've It's one thing last year because he was really our best option as a running back. But this year, I think I would be surprised if he was our best option as a running back, whether you're talking about Ingram or Justice Hill or mm-hmm. even even maybe even, uh, uh, what's his name, Dick Dixon. You know, yeah. so it, I, I think it, it's all, all very possible that, you know, we have four running backs, but it's just a way to get them all on the field at the same time. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm just thinking – you know, but that said, you know, we also use the H-back position quite a bit with our tight end. So that, yeah, it may come be kind of a moot point, unfortunately. I, I, I like fullbacks, but maybe we're, we're just transitioning away from that position now. Yeah, you never know. I mean, Greg Remus kind of redesigned this whole thing, so who knows what he's going to come yeah. out with. Yeah, and, and one thing that happens to me every year, and I promise myself I'm not going to do it, but I get way into the rookie minicamp, and I get way into OTAs, and, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, I start drawing conclusions about guys playing without pads on. Absolutely. You know, because, you know, Absolutely. It's so hard Just like I was saying earlier, Maurice Kennedy is going to turn into a pro bowler. This is the year, <laughs> you know, pretty much every year in OTAs. And then, you know, once training camp starts, he shines for the first, first week and a half and then inevitably gets a nick, you know, before the first game that turns into, oh, we've got to put Maurice Kennedy on the IR for the first eight games of the year, you know. So it's I'm right there with you, man. I mean, whether it be Brashad Perryman finally casting ball, oh, man, Kyle, yeah. Kyle Bowler finally, you know, doing what he needed to do to straighten out his throwing, to, you know, what, whatever the case may be. Um, you know, it's uh, it's always fun. It's like spring. Well, it is. It's spring training of football, you know. Hope, yeah. hope springs eternal, even in the summertime. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, I know that I shouldn't, but I know it's going to happen because, you know, I can't really pay attention to the Orioles. I mean, that's a little bit too sad. Game of Thrones is going to end soon. But what else is there for me to do? I need to watch every single video. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I well, I, I still watch the Orioles. As, as bad as it hurts my heart at times, I've, I've got to keep watching the O's. But, but although I will say, speaking of the O's, I don't know if you saw a little blurb about this, but apparently uh, – Eric DaCosta and Sig Miguel are apparently pretty close. Um, they had been close prior to the the um, 
front office move. He had just, I guess, the Costa had reached out to the Astros to kind of just learn about what they were doing and, and just kind of share ideas and stuff like that. So now it's even better. We've got uh, Mydell, uh, you know, now in Baltimore so they can sell, uh, you know, share all the uh, information they want and we can all be happy that we've got uh, two, two seemingly good front offices here in, the, in Baltimore. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. I mean, bringing the analytics over to uh, over to football. That's uh, that would be kind of interesting to see if the see if the Ravens try to be at the cutting edge of that and uh, yeah. invest in that. You know, give themselves that kind of competitive advantage at least early on. But uh, yeah, that is interesting. I didn't know about that. So that, that's cool. Um, Good stuff, man. I like seeing the Ravens and the Orioles working together. You know. Good to see. For a long yeah. time, they were they were seemingly rivals in the city. You know, especially when yeah. I when I worked for the Orioles. Let's just say there was not a lot of love lost between two teams. Even even where you know, especially at the time when the Orioles were really bad. I mean, that's they were when I worked there. There was there was some jealousy towards the Ravens. They people weren't really happy about. Everybody loved them. It was right after they'd won the first Super Bowl and. Mm-hmm. This, that, and the other. So it's 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 fun for me to see the teams actually liking each other and working together. That's that's nice. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's definitely a special time when both teams get along and both teams are good and competitive. Uh, I mean, I, I think Baltimore is a real really good sports town, and uh, you know, a lot of a lot of sports towns don't really appreciate their good teams, but I think Baltimore is really good at, at doing that. Yeah, I, I I do think I do agree with that. I think there are times that people want to be probably or people can be a little bit more spoiled than they should. I think that's mm-hmm. everywhere. That's not just Baltimore. I think that's that's everywhere, unfortunately, in the society today. But you know, I, I think uh, it, it will be fun. I think both of the teams are going in a good direction. So hopefully, we'll get back to having two winning teams here in Baltimore. In the, the near future, I think we're not going to have that this year, but maybe in the next mm-hmm. year or two, the Orioles can surprise and, and get back up to the the upper echelon of the league like the Ravens appear to be at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and hopefully this, this new draft class helps the Ravens uh, get a little bit further in the playoffs again and, and stay competitive for years to come. So, Holly, you want to you sign us off? Sure thing. Thanks again for listening to us this week here on Crab Cakes and Football. As TK mentioned, we'll be back sporadically throughout the offseason and then back weekly once the season gets going. Thanks for listening, everybody. Go Ravens. Go Ravens.